Right, guys, welcome to episode number 122 of the Ready for Anything podcast. This is Rants, Patter, and Opinions with the Ready for Anything coaches. This is a special episode today. We're going to bring this on once a month right now. Longer form, we're going to be chatting for a bit, and we're just going to be giving, like, opinions and stuff. Me and Josh don't actually know what we're going to be asking each other. We're just going to talk about it. We're going to chat about it, and we're going to kind of talk about what we see as coaches working with high achievers and high performers inside Ready for Anything. So please enjoy the episode. Do you want to go first, mate? We'll just go one at a yeah, time. Do you want to yeah. do something like that? Go for it, mate. I'll do that. I'll go first. Go for it. So, obviously, this has been a big year, personally and professionally, for yourself, completing the Kelman. Looking back on it, what has been your biggest lesson from that, from the training or from the event? So, for me, we were actually just chatting about this right before. Like, for me, when it comes to doing stuff like this, like, the reason why it's so impressive in my opinion is because of the challenges that it brings and how much it makes you question what you are doing and for me like i'm a very very busy person i've always got a lot of things going on and it's one of the biggest things that i get with so many people that work with us is that like i don't have time i don't have like like this is my biggest limitation right now that's the point and that's what makes it so hard but for me the biggest lesson is is that like if you want to be that person and also like embody that as a coach but also push in business and stuff as well it's like there has to be give for some points and it took me a long time to be okay with that so the biggest lesson for me is that you need to read between the lines there's going to be certain things that you want in your life and you're going to have to accept the suck the sacrifice that comes with that as well and for me it was a sacrifice in energy it was a sacrifice in questioning should I be doing this right now? Could I be pushing a bit more with clients? Could I be improving fulfillment? Could I be doing this? And the answer is like, I don't really know, but for the person I want to be, I know that these are the things that I want to do, but I need to do as well. Like a big part of it is like, you know, when you do a run and you're like, oh, like I'm, I'm buzzing to get this run, but you know, a part of it's going to Strava. There's, yeah. a, there's a wee part of yeah. that going on Strava and you're like, I need to do this for Strava. Yeah. <laughs> like for me, it's like, I want to do these things, but I know for the person that I want to be as well, these are the things that I need to do. So the biggest lesson for that is that if anyone's sitting questioning, is it the right time? You need to ask yourself, like time is obviously a commodity. It's something that you need to take into consideration, but you also need to ask yourself, who is the person you want to be? And you then also need to step up and accept the circumstances that come hand in hand with doing the thing. And that's what so many folk don't get. They're like, oh, I don't have time right now or I'm restricted by this or I've got this and that. It's like, that's the fucking point. It's hard. It is hard. So it's like, and that's why most folk, and they're, they're looking for this roundabout way. And don't get me wrong, I want to do things the most effective, time efficient, effective way possible. But there has to be a give. There has to be, man. So my biggest sort of lesson from doing that and, and the commitment and time energy is that like no challenge, no change. And that's the point. If like you can't be risk averse to like everything that you do, you need to look at it and be like, well, that's that's why it's a challenge. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the point. If I want to get in really good shape and I've got three children and a full time job, my partner works. That's the challenge. Yeah, if you weren't in that optimal, if you were in a more optimal position, would it be easier? Probably. But will it be that bit better when you do that thing, knowing that you worked that extra bit harder to get there? Aye, hundred percent. And people will respect you more as well, massively. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. I definitely know what you mean by that yeah what was your sort of like you obviously you've worked with me from nearly a year nearly a nearly a year anniversary like what did you kind of learn from seeing me go through that and from through that question that you asked me through the lens how did you see it i think it showed me what is possible with a limited amount of time and how much effort you can actually put in and that 
it almost goes back to like that kind of David Goggins type thing where he's like, you're only working at 40%. But when you're done the, the Keltman prep, you were working way above that kind of perceived limit of what you thought was capable. Because obviously you're building a business, working in the business, helping me develop, helping the clients develop as well as training yeah. for 20 odd hours per week sometimes. And it really showed to me like you just needed to do the work pretty much. Yeah. And it is hard work and that is a lot, that is a big part of it. And it's much more than what people actually think. Yeah, massively. And a lot of people don't realise their capability. And see, the thing is, like I said this recently, like in my early 20s, could I have done that? Yes, I could have. Was I ready to make that kind of commitment and that kind of have that kind of discipline? No, I hadn't trained it to that level yet. And that's the thing. It's not just a case of me and Josh right now saying that like, oh, like you're not doing enough. Like you, everyone can do more and everyone's perceived limitation of what they can do is way more than what they believe as well. It really, really is. But for a lot of folk that they're, they're operating suboptimal, something I said recently and we spoke to the guys about it is that if you live a suboptimal day, you live a suboptimal life. It's as simple as that. So if your day's not, if you're not getting, I'm not saying you need to be waking up and doing a three hour morning routine and singing Kumbaya and playing guitar for three hours and stuff like that. But like if you are not having consistent, effective days that are progressing you forward, where that be like, and I'm talking about the lion's share of it. I'm not talking about every single day. I'm a human being. Like I was very hungover on Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't have a very effective morning. Still had my, my Lumi though in the morning. That's a non-negotiable. But the point I'm trying to get at here is that if predominantly the, the, the lion's share of what you are doing is effective, then you're going to push the needle forward. And then you're going to go through times where you're more effective and then you're less effective. You even spoke about recently that you went through a, a bit of a slump, didn't you? Yeah, definitely after I completed the ultra in May and I had that kind of four week gap before I went on holiday and I just felt my energy was low. I didn't really have any motivation. Like I thought about I'm going to cut for going on holiday or get in good shape, but I was like, do you know what? I just really don't want to yeah. more than anything else. Like I'm just happy not having that overarching goal at the minute because it did take up a lot of my time yeah and there's always that inevitable come down after these events yeah you can't dodge it like you, nobody can dodge it and something that my old coach said to me was like that's what we do we do these big things then we go away for six to 12 weeks we regroup we get better we develop we go and work in the areas of weakness and then we go back to the drawing board like again going back to david goggins it's like like He's a he's an anomaly that does just operates that year round. And folk read books like that, then they create this fallacy in their mind that that's how they need to operate to be successful. And it's like no, like for most people, I seen something recently and it was kind of talking about like what an athlete is, like an above average person. Like we are not athletes, like everyday athletes in the sense of what we do. Like I'm a very normal person. I don't I'm not able to take naps through the day and recover well because i don't have a big workload and train three to four times per day yeah sometimes i train quite a lot i push towards things but you need to take these things into consideration as well and and that's the there's, there's definitely like the the psychological condition that comes with doing and pushing towards a big event is the biggest thing that folk are not ready for and it's i mean you were actually talking about this before when we were out for breakfast it's when a lot of people do things like they, they like the idea of doing a marathon, they like the idea of doing, and I'm not just talking about doing it, I'm talking about doing it and doing it good. I'm not just talking about doing it and being like, oh man, how was your time? And it's like, I, I walked 90% of it, right? 
that's fantastic if maybe you've came from zero you've maybe been in a position where you've had a really bad injury but not when you're an able-bodied 25 year old that is able to train six seven times per week like you shouldn't be walking 90 percent of that if you've actually committed to that that's a discipline thing and the reason why you've been unable to do that is because you lack the ability to commit to something and that's why we have prime perform and dominate because it's like when someone goes through that ascension like the reason why folk can't kind of get both and they're able to balance resistance training they're able to balance both that and doing endurance work like being highly it's because they just lack discipline it's a muscle that they've not exercised and trained them off enough psychologically and like every time even as you said mate like you'll come back to that now and obviously ran an ultra at the weekend not not saying that you weren't trained for it the full year and everything you've done is trained towards that but your circles just got bigger do you know yeah. I mean like you're, you're able to do way more so how what was your biggest lesson from that mate like doing to get, give us some insight guy obviously for anyone listening to like your journey as a runner to what you've done at the weekend so before i started working with christian i'd never really labeled myself as a runner i was always very sporty growing up always done sports went to the gym but i always avoided running and i told myself this story i'm not a runner or i don't actually need to do running but basically the truth was i wasn't very good at it and it made me feel uncomfortable so i just avoided it and then when we started going back and forth, he just basically called me out and said, just sign up for something and push yourself towards it. Work towards that goal, which I'd done. And then I had this moment where I thought, I'm going to go and run a marathon. Just signed up for it, totally out the blue. And I was like, oh, this is really scary. But that fear was a big driver in me actually going and doing it as well. Because fear is like, it's a very, very powerful motivator especially something as big as a marathon when you've never been a runner so like at the start of 2022 the longest distance i'd ran was like five to ten k and then by may i'd completed a marathon and then fast forward in a year I'd, i've now done two ultra marathons in the space of two and a half months with the latest one being at the weekend there and the biggest lesson i took from that was even though it probably wasn't the most optimal prep for it I'd conditioned myself and it was because of all the work I'd done earlier in the year, the consistency in terms of training, running, nutrition, all that sort of stuff. Cause I had my, and that boosted my baseline so that by the time I came around to actually doing it, I wasn't a million miles off being perfect, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the conditions were good in the sense that I had conditioning from earlier on in the year. I could dial it in for those three weeks and just make sure that I brought all that to the forefront. And it just shows you that you're not actually as far away from these big goals as you think, but it does require consistency and hard work. It really does. Like I heard something recently and it was like to be an above average, like everyday athlete that we are kind of referring to right now, it takes a lot of hard work to get there, but mm -hmm. then to maintain it, it's not actually an abundance of work because you've broke this threshold. You have normalized working at a really high intense rate. Therefore, once you get to that point, like you can kind of you can operate there but that initial part of breaking that so see going from newbie to getting to above average everyday athlete let's call it this person that's essentially ready to take on things like a a decent like endurance distant run or a, a triathlon or they're able to swim they're able to lift weights so they're a bit of a hybrid they're able to do a lot like getting to that point where you have that sort of readiness is very hard to get to there but once you're there you can become comfortably uncomfortable 
And that's why, like, I was recently talking about, like, you can see this in a lot of people where they, they stay within the realms of the sports that they're comfortable with and there's nothing wrong with that. But when that person's maybe not coined that, they maybe found something that they're, they're pretty good at. They're above average at it. But then they realize that not everyone's there in that sort of pond that they're in and they become a big fish in that pond. Ultimately, for me, like, I'm not doing this to be, like, the best runner or the best. It's, like, more about testing the boundaries of where my, my capability is. Like, that's what it is to me and that's what it is doing these different things. I don't know if you can relate to that. Yeah, 100%. I was actually going to add into that. When I done the first ultra marathon in May, I said to myself, or I was having this conversation with my girlfriend, that it's not that running is, like, the, the, the thing. It's running is the vehicle for developing the mental fortitude, the mental toughness, and pushing myself. It could be swimming or cycling, but it just so happens that running is a vehicle that I've chosen to develop myself through. Yeah. And it's, it is the ultimate, like, I think a lot of things, like I'm not going to sit and go down the route and, and play mental health therapist here or like mental health professional, but like self-mastery and just really, really taking yourself to the realms of like, do you know what I mean? Like it gives you a deep level of purpose and fulfillment and belief in yourself. Like you even sent, sent me a voice note afterwards. Or like, I felt really good. The run was good. I was really happy with my time. I said what I was going to do, but it's, it's how confident I am in my own ability and that does a lot for you, man. I'm not going to say it solves like it solves problems that you have, trauma, deep trauma, things that have went on in your life. It doesn't. It's not going to be the thing that does that, but it's going to be a catalyst that allows you because for me, like a lot of folk lack belief. They lack purpose. They, they lack that level of confidence in themselves. And I can relate to that because I remember being there and almost accepting like a, the card that the hand that I was dealt as such. I mean, like, oh, this, this is just the way that I am. And what that does is when you kind of accept that sort of identity that society, let's call it, have placed on you that you've chosen to accept subconsciously, it isn't good for your mental health. It isn't good no. for your confidence. And then if you can unlock that, as I said, I'm not saying it's it's the answer to poor mental health, but it's a big contender and essentially a deep level of fulfillment. And I spoke about this recently in a podcast and I know that's like what you were chatting about as well. It's like, it becomes this thing because you want to do these things. It's quite badass. You're like, this is fucking cool. And you do it for a bit of bravado. You do it because it's like, I'm the guy's guy if I do this stuff. I'm the shit if I do it. But then it becomes this sort of deep fulfilling prophecy. Like, just like the way that folk are so philosophical with resistance training. Now you look at the Gymshark days when it first launched and it was very much so all about uh, muscle fit and t-shirts and who's got the biggest biceps. And it was very bro science -y. Now look at these sort of top level physique athletes. They're recording podcasts. <laughs> they're doing motivational talks. They're about how can I be a better person? How can I demand more from myself? And it's becoming almost a sort of race to be better. And I think because of the way that the world is now, because we are like the ability to communicate so there, so much there, education so much there. Like you can learn, you can speak to people, you connect with people on like a different level and you can learn to speak better. Even like if I was to rewind back the clock and I was sitting here recording the podcast the way that I'm speaking right now, I'd be like, who is that guy? But to me, that's what like self-mastery does. It's it's the gateway drug, isn't it? Yeah. It, it actually unlocks doors to so many other things. And we had a, a client recently that, that's just killed it and they asked me before we, we actually began, um, how is this going to like, because we obviously talk about the three pillars of a program, performance, lifestyle, career. We're not a business mentorship, but if you can essentially turn up for yourself better, you're going to become that inspiring leader in your own life. And it's going to unlock doors that you never even knew that were there, which is then in turn going to improve your confidence, your belief in yourself, what you think you're capable of, which is then going to allow you to step up in the mark as well. And, and 
you can't tell these people this at the time because you don't know what that's going to be for them. It's going to be so individual. I'm not saying we're going to give you a system to go, this is going to better leverage your business, but like the, the mind controls the actions. Do you know what I mean? And if your mind is in a better point, then the actions are going to be, they're going to be more effective. They're going to be more optimal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've touched on something really important, I think, is that fitness is the gateway drug to personal development. Because I know that in my own journey, when I started getting into the fitness space, I started looking at my productivity when I was at uni. How could I be more productive at uni? How could I get better grades? And that's kind of snowballed into my job. Like, how can I be better working? How can I get better results? So it snowballs. It doesn't just exist in this fitness space. It exists throughout your full life. Massively, massively, man. And it's something that, that, that saying that I even said there, actually, I heard that yesterday in a call that I was in inside the mentorship that I work inside and it was the mind controls the actions and I actually said it yesterday in, in last night's call to the team inside Ready For Anything and in one of our weekly calls and like a lot of people like it's I heard the line yesterday and I actually spoke to the person afterwards it's my friend and I said to them like what was it you said there and like it's really hard to summarize see when someone doesn't really understand they're not really self-aware and they don't really understand like mindset because we just hear the word mindset sometimes it's a bit like gibberish in it it's like i want to improve my mindset and it's like what does that actually mean your mind controls the actions and ultimately if you can just understand that single that sentence that i've just said there is the mind controls the actions if you can demand more for yourself create more intention in your day more points where you actually stop to think and be mindful communicate to other people me and josh was just saying before we had a really good meeting about like essentially what is uh what is it what's the client's position like before they come into the program so that we can better understand them so we can create better content so we can speak to a, a, a client or niche better and josh was like how many folk have conversations like this and i was like not many and when you have conversations we're actually reading between the lines instead of just being very surface level and talking about things you know i mean materialistic things what you're up to at the weekend the weather like you're able to have a deeper understanding of yourself what you value, what makes you tick. And you're able to just, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying this the answer to all your problems, but if you don't understand yourself, you're going to be like some. you're going to be exhausted trying to be someone else. You're not going to be yourself. So if you're clear on what you value, what makes you tick, what makes you fulfilled, what you need to do in a day, what you need to do in a week in order to essentially fill that cup up and maintain that homeostasis, I feel like it's like you're going to live a better life. It's as, as simple as that, man. If you're like, right, I know that these are my success metrics in a week. As long as I'm, I make sure that I'm fulfilling them, then there's like annual ones. There's like, right, have I traveled? Have, uh, have I met up with this friend that makes me feel good? Have I moved my body in this way? Have I completed this event that I love doing every single year or something along the lines of that? That's almost like, that like creates this sort of metric. It's like, all right, that's Christian. That's Josh. That's what they do. You may be not saying that to someone else, but you're saying it to yourself and you know, and then you, you find that. And, and for me, that, that summarizes really well to what like fitness does. And a lot of folk, when they say mindset, it's just very like, it's very surface level on it. It's just yeah. a bit like, oh, your mindset, I, I need to improve my mindset. Your mindset is just an umbrella term for everything else, like decision-making, critical thinking, communicating. There's so much more to it than just mindset. And a lot of it is doing the do. Mm -hmm. Even if you think like, I know I've already mentioned David Goggins, but his mindset's improved because he does the work. My mindset towards running improved because I actually went out and ran mm -hmm. and put myself in an, uncom an uncomfortable position to push myself further and grow. It's not sitting 
making it all up in my head thinking like my mindset's improved because i've signed up for that that's fine yeah i actually now need to go and do the hard stuff to actually get me through that it's like callousing your mind yeah people talk about it like it's two separate things like I, i've done the work in my mindset now i need to do this now don't get me wrong there's obviously things therapy um, do you know I mean C CBT like there's so many different things that you can do that are 100% beneficial and I genuinely think every single person should go, I should think they should go to therapy they should get a coach obviously a lot of this stuff is private you can get it through the government and I know that not everyone's in a position to do that but this sort of stuff and this self-understanding and self-mastery is like what a lot of people lack because when they're maybe dealt with a challenge or what's going on they, they don't really know they don't really understand like why they're feeling a certain way like, understandably why would you know and like and that's the biggest thing really as you said me like it's it's an umbrella term isn't it it really really is it, it doesn't just mean that like you just you just work in your mindset and that's it you don't you don't you do both but like the catalyst for you going into that development stage is action like you think up this idea then you take action on it through that action step like your mind doesn't stop just when you're doing a, it's not a separate thing like they both coincide and obviously, naturally, the, the the gateway drug that we're saying to this is exercise. Because if you go to the gym, like let's say, for example, use hypothetically, someone that's never been to the gym before, or maybe they have been to the gym, they've been in great shape, they've had an injury, they've had kids, they've, it's 10 years later, and they step back into that gym feeling like a completely different person, right? And that first day, they turn up to the gym and they, they go back to the car and they drive home because they couldn't do it. Have a talk with their partner. Partner's like, go back and do it. Next day, they go back and they get in and they just walk in the treadmill that is then building that belief back up but in that time because they positioned themselves differently because they done that thing they would have felt a sense of empowerment walking out knowing that they actually went through the doors there and as a result of feeling that empowerment they would have seen their day through a different lens and they would have been a different person and, and one thing a lot of folk don't realize is that like you're a you're several different versions of yourself over the course of the day like loads not even several like i don't know how many several refers to it's a lot could be a hundred, right? You are probably a, like, let's say 10 different versions of yourself in the day. If your inputs in a day are the majority, the lion's share negative, you're making low quality decisions, low tier decisions, food choices, energy, energy choices. I had this conversation with a client yesterday where I said, when it comes to being in great shape, you need to look at it like an investment game. So it's not to say that sometimes folk become very quantity focused over quality focused. So they're like, oh, that's all right. Like my, my, my coffee's got no calories in it. It's an Americano. It's like, yeah, but it's six o'clock. That's going to impact the quality of sleep tonight. If you're going to have a poor quality sleep tonight, your appetite might be higher tomorrow. So your decision making might not be the best tomorrow. I'm not going to say that's the thing that breaks the pank, but you need to think about investments over the course of the day when it comes to getting effective results. And it's the same, like, um, I went off on a tangent and I can't remember what was going on to, but like, the, I, I get the gist of what I'm saying is like, it's, you are so many different versions of yourself over the course of the day that like, you can't possibly think that not, doing stuff for yourself or not applying uh, principles of fitness and development to your life isn't going to influence it positively it's a big folks belief that a lot of people have they're kind of just like i just i just need some training i just need a plan and it's like what's your thoughts like for over the course of the day like how much confidence belief do you have in yourself like what's your self-talk like how do you speak to yourself how do you see yourself and it's like would you not rather like be a more optimal version of yourself so that most of those inputs over the course of the day were predominantly positive because if they are going to be predominantly positive you're going to have a better output do you know what i mean yeah it's a it's a very deep way of thinking because you can't it's not like a bottle of water that you can just hold on to oh this costs this much this is this thing if i buy three of them it costs this much mine's like can i see it it's just this thing that just wonders and it goes through and it's like 
and that to me i know i've went off and i'm mad this obviously this is the point of the podcast but like mindset such a deep intrinsic thing and actually looking at it in such a surface level simple oversimplified way is doing yourself a massive disservice when it comes to looking at self-mastery as such do you think the way that mindset is portrayed on social media has been beneficial to people or do you think it's been a, a hindrance in, in some ways i think the way that mindsets if you say to someone like what is mindset and one of the the most responses now is like motivational content if you have to look for a external way to influence how you feel intrinsically you're not doing it right yeah like i get that these things are going to be like the dangling carrot is important but you can't like i said it recently like watching inspiring content to motivate yourself is like having a wank to fix a crappy relationship like you will essentially get maybe the feeling that you're actually chasing <laughs> or you're trying to essentially dress up but it's not going to solve the problem you might forget about the problem every time you do it and that's i'm not saying don't do these things <laughs> like but what i'm saying is they're supplementary yeah they're not like they're not things that you should base like the, the elephant in the room is that like that's not the like, what i'm talking about there isn't the that doesn't define a, a happy relationship the it's all the other parts it's how you communicate it's like what you do it's how much compassion you show each other like how much like, i'm not like, a fucking relationship expert right i'm gonna try to go down that line there but the point i'm trying to get at it's like a lot of folk are like going like that or like, what like uh how, how do you work in your mindset i'll oh, look at motivational content and you're like what you look at other people say stuff and make yourself feel good because that will still give you the dopamine hit yeah of this is motivational and for some people that will be enough just to get that dopamine hit rather than actually going out embracing the suck running in the pissing rain or the snow wind whatever it is rather than developing their mindset through that it's much easier to sit and watch a 10 second reel or tiktok with some motivational quote or speech music over it and go i feel motivated now yeah the I think something I was just aware of, and I don't know if it's about being a business owner, is that everyone's just trying to sell you something, right? And that is what every, every like, we live in a consumer-based world. You just need to look around. Everything's transactional. It's the way of the world. That's just the way it is. But if you aren't really aware of that, and you don't realize that, like, most, like, you walk down the street, you're getting notifications to your phone about news, adverts, you're looking at billboards, you're walking past shops, you're seeing people standing outside selling stuff. Folk are talking about something that they done was a was a transaction. The world is transactional, right? And if you're not aware of that, you can become enslaved by that. Because what are phones designed to do? They're designed to grab your attention because if they can have more eyes on them, they can get more people invest into the softwares, the hardwares, which is then in turn going to allow them to grow their businesses. There's nothing wrong with what they are doing, but they've done it in such a leveraged, powerful way that we don't we don't live in like a real world anymore you just need to look about walk down the street like folk are talking about agi and the glasses being in front of your face and yeah that will change things it brings people into like a different world but like we're already there like the average screen time like tv computer phones in the uk is three hours and two minutes the last time i looked we're already living in another another world right obviously i know that's because of work in the world that we live in and stuff as well but we are we're living in this like sort of cyber reality so it's like if you're not really aware of that and you're not really like setting like boundaries or 
you're, like I kind of laugh at it like, things like see where I'm like when I know how good something is I'm like that's amazing isn't it I'm almost like a bit in awe of it but like, whereas if you're not you can essentially become like so consumed by that that like it can take away from so many other parts so like it's just being aware that like that is what every single person is doing isn't it they're like selling to an extent because we live in such a consumer based world yeah 100% yeah like what like kind of going off topic here but we obviously mentioned the word hybrid and it's a big part of what we're all about. Like what's your thoughts on like the, the sort of term, your opinion on the term hybrid athlete? I really like it. I think uh, it was something that I actually started not to identify with, but it was something that I aspired to because I've always really enjoyed lifting weights in the gym, getting strong, building muscle. And then I also had that this goal of now running where I thought I can actually do both here and be relatively decent at them. When it comes to the term hybrid, a lot of people will do it or do weight train and some sort of endurance sport p potentially, but they're not doing great in both of them. Like the whole point of hybrid training is to be doing well at both rather than being average at them, if that makes sense. Like you want to be able to go into the gym and still lift strong, still lift more than you did last week, add on an extra rep, add on an extra couple of kilos, you still want him going out running and feeling faster. You don't just want to be turning up, doing both and then going, I'm a hybrid athlete, but I'm not actually progressing anything or putting myself out there into positions where I need to push hard on one. Yeah. And I think that's kind of been lost in translation a little bit because it's so easy to identify with now. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's not, I, I like it, but like, I don't like when I... T I a term becomes overly used and it almost becomes a bit fashionable. I've always been into that. Like, I've always loved it. Not that I've been doing it incredibly well for a long time. I like to think that I'm doing it an okay standard now. But, like, and it's what I, I love. Like, I love aesthetically feeling good in myself. I love it. I love, like, it's a big part of my identity. And I genuinely, like, it's not that I, I feel body shaming in that at all, but I genuinely, it's a big part of who I am. And I feel much better about myself when I am, like, when I am in better shape, when I when I feel full, when I feel strong, I feel capable. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's like a, a big, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think now it's like, it can almost be a bit, you don't need to be like that. Or one of the comments that we get quite a lot is that like, I'm not that bored about looking that way or I don't really want abs. It's like, I'm not saying you need to, but why not? Why not demand more for yourself? See getting, see getting abs or getting in really good shape. It's a fucking testament to dedication and discipline. And see if you can maintain that year round. That's an amazing thing. It should to me. If I, I'm not just talking about someone doing a shoot prep, doing twelve weeks, putting all in, dropping twelve kilograms, fifteen, sixteen kilograms, and then just falling to pieces afterwards because they they've maybe placed it in there. And people go, I'm not slandering that or anything at all. People will go through points like that. It's all part of the journey, right? But like to me, if I see someone like in really good neck year round, I'm like, God, man, that person like really, 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 really operates in there. You can see they've got a balanced lifestyle. The they're in great shape, they're strong, they're capable, they're out doing things, they're running, they're climbing up hills. They're, I'm like, God, man, that's, that's very inspiring to, to know what that person's dedicating so much to get to there. Um, and that's the thing, a lot of people now, like, the, the saying is, I've been doing that, I've just always liked that readiness. I never called it hybrid, I just called it like being ready. Like, like just being like... Being ready for anything. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, like that's been a kind of philosophy in my life. Like I've always wore an identity pretty well, even when I was in the military, no one told me to be fit. I was just like, I need to be fit now. I need to do that thing because if someone was to speak to me, I would like them to to assume by my actions and the way that I carry myself and the way that I conduct myself that that's part of my identity. I don't know if that's good, bad, right or wrong, but 
it's worked well for me in the sense of what I'm doing. It's the same when I when I became a coach. It was like I need I need to demand more for myself here if I want to be that person. And that's kind of where we got to now. And we get a lot of people inside of the program that's been training for a while and went through a bit of a journey that me and you have went through. And they have that same sort of aspiration to do the things that we are doing. And it's like that's to me, it's like you don't have to be at the in the top three every single time you do it, but you have to be doing it the best you can. Do you know what I mean? And I've done it in the past where like I was kidding myself on. I was saying I was doing both. One was just falling by the wayside, man, because I was uneducated. I was overtraining. I was being stubborn. I was I wasn't even educating myself. Like even at the time, I wouldn't do any sort of external sort of learning. It was all completely self-taught. Like, and I mean, when I say self-taught, I mean like that sounds like a good idea. Educated guesses like that. And see, for a lot of the time, that's what a lot of folk are doing. They're pissing in the wind when it comes to these things. And for me, like as I, I said to you there, like the term, I like it, but I think it can get to used so loosely, loosely now. It's not saying that you need to do this to achieve that, but someone's maybe done bodybuilding for like, I don't know, they're in great shape in that. And then they, they sign up to Glasgow 10K, hybrid, you know, like that. You ran a 60 minute 10K, like with literally three months notice or something like that. And you, you committed to two runs per week when you're already conditioned to do that. It's not saying that that's not it, but it's like, is this like an ethos that you're living by? Is it just something that you're doing for 12 weeks? Do you know what I mean? You want it to be this, like it's it's like a way of training. It's a modality to me. It's like, it's an identity. Do you know what I mean? Rather yeah. than just like a ticky box exercise. It's like, it's this is what I'm all about. And it's hard. That's why it's really, really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. I know that like the term hybrid has been used for weightlifting and running, things like that. And it's almost like these two disciplines. But to me personally, it, it means doing that preparing for something like high rocks as well it's not just two separate disciplines i think i yeah. like it being a bit of everything it's not obviously you want to be able to do well in them but i don't think it should be limited to like it has to be these two if that makes sense yeah i see it when i think of it i think a strong robust body i think of someone that's really good high standards and i think of someone that's actually we were talking about this before it's like what is the what's the end goal that we want someone to get to and say ready for anything? We just want them to be fucking buzzed up about actually going and taking on challenges. We want them to walk into every session. Like me and Josh thought about ourselves then when we we're talking about it. And it's like I genuinely walk into every weight session excited. Not like I'm not saying like I'm I'm like buzzing at my tits for every single one of them, right? But I'm genuinely looking forward to going in and making a progression. I'm genuinely looking forward to going in and because it's like little microdoses of pain, isn't it? Like if you work it out, the actual effective reps in a workout is probably about two and a half minutes. You're really going to experience two and a half minutes of really hard discomfort. But for that two and a half minutes, that's where you're going to be developing yourself. That's where you're going to, the full session counts towards what you're doing. But like, that's the bit there. So for me, it's like I'm microdosing a bit of discomfort every single day. The full, the full thing is uncomfortable, but it's like I get to go to that point where I develop myself and it's like, that's to me what like, I, I want to get more people there where they're just excited about going in and just being better. Like you, you get to be better than you were the day before in the most sort of non-cliche way possible. And I think that's for me, like I want to help more people get to that point where it's like, they're just like, I mean, you were even talking about just like, what's the next big thing? Like, where are we going to? What's the plan and and why? And, and what are you focusing on now? I'm not saying we're living a life goal to goal, but like human beings crave discipline and progress. They crave it. I don't care what anyone says. That could be, and they, they might find that in other areas as well. I've got a couple of talks coming up for uh, different companies and stuff. And one of the things I've kind of been briefed on is that 
a lot of people in the room are high achievers, some just professionally, some personally and professionally, right? The one thing you see amongst high achievers is they're chasing progress. And it's when you give someone that within themselves, it unlocks so many other doorways, as we were saying. So like, it, like you, you cannot tell me that anyone doesn't get a sense of fulfillment from progressing. Everyone does. And it's a key part of life. And I just want more people to see that. It's like, these things are hard and stuff. And obviously, as you do something like me, you were even talking about, like I said it earlier on, that like you come away. Like right now, I'm not that arsed about doing a big, massive endurance event right now. I just want to do something that's like, it's going to test me, it's going to challenge me, but it's going to still give me, keep my time. It's going to keep my energy in place. It's not going to absolutely tank me. It's not going to stretch me. It's not going to take me away from my business. It's going to allow me to be the person that I am. Do you know what I mean? And and do that. So mate, what, what I'm really interested to hear, because I'm, I'm blabbing on here and all of talking, is... What, when you came into the program, so to give you some insight, guys, Josh was a client of mine's. Then last August, you then obviously August, behind the scenes September. took the leap and I then obviously took you from client and hired you as head of client success. It's nearly been a year right now. And obviously it's been a big, big year of growth and it's, it's, it's been amazing to witness Josh's progress as well. Like even just with the guys that are coming in from client, it's, it's been a transition, man. I didn't know what I was doing. I've never hired someone. I've never took someone. It's, it's been amazing. And for me, the biggest eye opener was, I was more becoming a mentor, not just someone that was delegating work and that. But what was the biggest surprise to you going from client to coach? What was the biggest thing that surprised you? All the work that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. You think it's just messaging, sending messages, doing a check-in. or That's what you think that the coach is doing, but the coach is doing way more than that. They are programming, reach outreaching, building systems to make sure that the client has got all the, res the resources they need to succeed. You don't see all this stuff going on in the back end. You just see the WhatsApp message you get and your check-in. And your true coach and your weekly call not just that but you see that what you don't see is everything that goes on yeah it's mental and and that's what like a lot of people again it's like it's very it's very dismissive when a lot of people talk about like coaches in a very surface level way and the biggest thing that it's not that it even irritates it irritates me i just know that it's a thing and it's, it's my job to change people's perception of what it is it's people's perception of what being a coach is and people are kind of always like what'd you get like, what do you do in there? Like, what, what what happens there? And you're like, you get, you change. You get to become a better person. And a really good example that I gave yesterday, I heard it last week from a, a copywriter, Chris, a really good a guy came in and spoke in the, the mentorship them inside. And he was using the, he was talking about an email that I can't remember if he sent it or someone else sent it, but it's bamboo. And he was using the example of bamboo. Bamboo is a fucking badass plant. If you call it as a plant, is that what it is? But it, it's this, it's, it's, it grows rapid, it's strong, it, it, it produces them like 30% more energy than the rest of the hardwood forest. It consumes uh, energy from other bamboo and other plants surrounding it. And for me, the best way to describe is what we do is we, you're like a bamboo shoot and we just plug you in amongst loads of other bamboo. And what happens is that you grow faster than so many other folks. It's not to say that there's other bamboo shoots growing, but like we put you in amongst the biggest the fastest and the, the hardest growing bamboo that then makes essentially just like enhances the fucking life out of everything else that you are doing and that's to me what coaching is like all the things like the formalities the check-in the touch points the calls they're just formalities and when you speak about it on the surface it is very surface level and it's like oh, so you get a call it's like but think about like even so if someone's maybe listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking like i'm still on the fence about coaching what have you taken away from this podcast 
Like, what have you taken? You, you've probably, there's probably been loads of millions wee light bulb moments, wee things. <laughs> you may not, right? But the point I'm trying to get at, there probably has been a lot of things that you've taken away from this. Now imagine that on steroids, imagine that every single day. Imagine that with having a plan, having vision, constantly having a magnifying glass on you being amongst other people that are going through the same thing that understand what you're going through because most of the folk in your life don't the people that you surround yourself with don't that's what being coach is about it's about being submerging yourself in a process think about like your work think about like when you went through an opportunity in your work in a process in your work where you went from not being that skilled to highly skilled and knowing things that you can't even describe to other people. You can't even put into words what you know because you know it because you've done it for three to five years. You've done it thousands of hours doing it. You've developed yourself so much. That's what being coached is. And some folk will look at it like, so what'd you get? You're like, what do you mean, what'd you get? It's like, who do you become? Like, who do you become in the process of putting yourself and positioning yourself here? And it's very, it's just a very, to me, a very silly and stupid way to look at it. Yeah, there's a perception that coaching is just training plan, nutrition plan, that's it. But it's not because it is a, a, a person-driven process. It's not just about, like, this is the process, follow that. It's like, who, as you said, who do you become in the process of doing all this? Yeah. Do your values change? Do you become a better person? Does your relationship improve? Does your work life improve as well? It's all these things. It's not just... Right, going to the gym, I can now deadlift 10 kilos more than when I started. It's, yeah. it's way more than that. Let's imagine you hit the same point every single time. It might be after a, a weekend on the bevy. It might be after a holiday. And you hit that Monday and you've done really well for a few weeks and you lose all your momentum. You miss the first few gym sessions, right? And you go through that same negative self-talk. You go through that same sabotage cycle and you see yourself through a certain light and it's the same thing that tarnishes your belief every single time. Now let's imagine you bypass that. Let's imagine all those stories you tell yourself become different. Let's imagine that the lens that you see things through completely changes as a result of putting yourself in a position like being coached, right? You cannot tell me that that's not going to change your life. You cannot tell me that your future and the, the line in the sand that you're drawing right now, the same one that you keep drawing, is not going to change. It's obviously going to fucking change. And if you believe, if you can't see that, in my opinion, you're looking at it wrong you're looking at it completely wrong. And that's what coaching is in a nutshell. It's helping someone change the course of the same cycle they keep going through. What's the saying? It's the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It just, it doesn't work. You need to, you need to get a different uh, opinion. You need to get a, a different set of eyes on it. You need to get someone to call you out when you keep doing the same shit that keeps putting you into that sabotage cycle. And I'm not just saying it's a sabotage cycle, but mate, from you from your seeing it from the outside, it's the same things that trip folk up. Nobody's reinventing the wheel here and doing different stuff. Folk think they're different, maybe because they've ticked off a few things or they're in half decent shape. The reason why you're not going beyond that point you keep hitting is because of you. You're the common denominator. The person that keeps stopping is the common denominator, not the external reason. There will be somewhat external reasons, but it's always you. It's always a you problem. I ran. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to give you a... We said this is going to have be called Bants, so I'm going to ask you a silly question. Go for it. Would you rather have hands for feet or feet for hands? I don't know. I want, I've pure got mind. To, I want to ask you mad things now. <laughs> <laughs> Would I rather have hands for feet or feet for hands? What, so that if I've got hands for feet that means that i've got hands in my hands and so i've got ha hands here you've got feet here instead but then i would still have feet on my feet no you have to have, uh, so yeah that'd be the same thing yeah. if it was hands for hands yeah. or feet. so you would either have four hands or four feet yeah pretty much go with that 
Four hands. Why? I would be more functional. <laughs> I'd be able to, to carry out more things, more tasks in my day. I would agree with that, probably. I feel like you would be just become useless if you had four feet. Yeah, <laughs> like, no opposable thumbs or anything like that. I, I feel like, what would you be able to do? You would, you'd be like a dog. <laughs> Pretty much. Though, I, if you just have, call me Sky. Even though if you have four hands, you still have to walk on your hands. Let's say that. How does that work? You still what? So you can't... If you get four hands, you're still going to have to walk on your hands at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You just have pure calloused hands, wouldn't you? Stinky hands. <laughs> Dirty, stinky hands. Um, I would still go with the hands, mate. I just feel like you would just lose so much ability with the thing, with the, I don't know, man. You would end up with like, you just becoming so highly effective with your toes, wouldn't you, and your hands? And your, see, if you had feet yeah. for hands, your toes would just become so highly, just very, very snubbed, like highly effective fingers. <laughs> so I, I always imagine that if you had four hands, you would struggle not to run, but if you had four feet, you could run so much faster. Yeah. You'd be like an actual animal. Yeah. Running with four feet. Ultimate hybrids. Yeah. <laughs> and you can pretty much still lift weights with four feet. You just don't need to hold the weights. You can still do. <laughs> you can do one of those. You know the presses you see in gyms that are just, they make no sense. The leg presses that are like, like upside down. Lying down, yeah. You can sit under it and press it because your feet would be on your hands. Just press with four feet. <laughs> 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 see when uh, I program for Josh he's like obviously I still coach Josh through whatever he's doing and like I see this like little version of Josh and I call it little Dragon Ball Z Josh because like when you give him a new program he's like he just I can imagine him going all red and just not saying anything and just sitting facing a corner going yes <laughs> that's not far from the truth because <laughs> he'll message me saying I'm shaking right now <laughs> like you'll be like you that brings me on to a really good point by the way because it was something i actually thought about earlier but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll shelf dragon ball z josh because i remember this and i forgot it i've got a brain like a sieve by the way i think that's years of partying um and i always forget things mid conversation because my brain just goes off in so many mad mad tangents as well but something that i mentioned in a train that i delivered recently and it's a really really good point and it's essentially hitting like a, a success ceiling so like when you do something whether it's like a, a big challenge or you're working towards something like we use josh for example when he, he worked towards the marathon right so josh to give you a picture when he came in was someone that had been he was well trained he he understood like he had really really good standards in place he, he always religiously trained he just never really ran and he was someone that had really good discipline ingrained so when it came to us giving josh a program it was kind of like cool i'm just going to action that but during this program for the marathon on like i think it was like five runs you pb'd your distance four or five runs in a row yeah because it went from half marathon and i think i was on holiday for a week and then i came back and it was like 30k or 25k 30k 35k yeah and i'm like every week this is a pb like mm -hmm. i've never ran this far yeah so the, the biggest thing with this is that like for a lot of people and what i've certainly experienced as well like especially when you do people that get people into like a crazy good physical condition or you get them to do something is that when you sign up to an event, a challenge, or you put yourself towards something so big, this could be professionally as well, like you're chasing a big sort of amount of zeros in the bank and amount of sales, like a big project you're trying to do, you're trying to close whatever it is, right? Typically when you set the bar so high, which is great, you will PB on the way to getting there. 
which is normal, right? If you if you set a PB that's like like I spoke to one of our clients yesterday and the the pull-ups are massively coming on. I said, What's the goal by the end of the year? And they said 15 for pull-ups. And right now they're at five. And I was like, so they're, they're going to triple it, right? So even when they hit 10, even when they hit 12, even they hit 13, they've PB'd. But what this can do is it can create this sort of point where you kind of go, I've never been here. I've never been here before. And it's nice here. It's comfy here. And I'm happy here. And what it can actually create along the way is that you hit this success ceiling where you're like, this is cool. This is unknown territory because you're two or three times above where you've ever been before, which is fine. But if you're not aware of that, you can create like an element of complacency within that because to get to that point, it's hard. But then what can happen on the flip side of that as well is you can go through these like weeks of graph to get to this point and even hitting that landmark point along the way, like we used for Josh, for example, hitting that first ever 25k run, 30k run, psychologically, you need to remind yourself that the game isn't over, that you're still in it. And this is something that I remember I learned from Ross Edgley when he was swimming around the UK and he hit a point where he hit the longest ever recorded swim during his world, world record attempt to swim around the UK. So he broke the world record on his attempt around the UK and everyone had champagne, everyone was celebrating and he went downstairs and tucked himself away. He went, because I can't celebrate right now because I'm not finished yet. And I see this all the time with so many folk that are high achievers, high performers, where they're pushing towards something is that they hit a success ceiling along the way because they celebrate too early. Rightly so, you should celebrate your wins. But when you create that sort of fallacy along the way that it's like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm so fucking good right now. Like I'm buzzing about myself. Like you have to have that confidence. But if you're walk, walking towards something and you're still not finished, it's unfinished business and you need to make sure that you're still in that mindset. And that's something that you were talking about earlier on, but I didn't want to butt in, but I forgot what I was talking yeah. about earlier on. But it's something that I see. So if you're going through a point right now where you're gunning towards something big and you maybe slow down a little bit and you've hit the famous words that I hate, the plateau, you've not hit a plateau. There's no such thing as a plateau. You've just hit a lack of momentum. You need to look at what you're doing. You need to see that because again, looking at it very surface level, I'm doing my sessions. I'm doing that thing. I'm tracking this. It's like, but how are you doing them? Yeah, I was going to add to that point now that you're talking about like the plateau and getting the wins. It's almost like your your brain loves that novelty. So when you're at that so-called plateau and you're doing everything, but nothing's really changing, one of the things I like to do is like incorporate some sort of novelty to it. So whether that's like training somewhere else, training with someone, running a different route. I know that I had a conversation with a client and they said, I'm just not feeling it when I'm running. Like I don't feel motivated to go and run. And I asked them, whereabouts do you go run? And they said, oh, I'll go the same route because I know it's this distance. And I went, go run somewhere else. Run somewhere else and see how that makes you feel. And they went and done it. And they went, I feel so much better now. Yeah. Just from changing the route. And I know that I've done that in the past. Like try and go to different places, go different runs. And I was actually speaking at a running club last night and one of the other guest speakers there was saying what he does is he goes on to Strava, looks where on the map, finds like a green space that he hasn't ran in, gets the train there and then like runs back. That's a really good way to do it. It, it creates excitement because it's like see, a really good point in which you, you made there, mate, was like, it's the feeling thing. And I made this point last night talking to our clients is that we're just chasing a feeling. See, in life, we're chasing feelings, man. So it's like, what's it, what's it like to run that marathon? What's it like to, to actually feel really strong? What's it like to lift that kind of weight? What's it like to get a medal? What's it like? And it's, you're doing the thing, but ultimately what you are chasing is purely a feeling. It's like, oh, I have a family. Why? Because I want to see what it feels like to have kids. 
I want to, I want to hire someone. Why? Because I want to see what it feels like to help someone else develop in their career when I've developed in my career. It's a feeling. There's obviously merit towards it. And there's, again, you could even argue, why do you want to do that? Oh, I have more money in the bank. Why do you want to have more money in the bank? So I'm going more holidays and have more experiences and feel that feeling of what it's like to be in Jamaica, what it's like to be in this other country. But the point that you said there was really, really good is that sometimes that feeling that we place on ourselves can be the biggest thing that slows us down because we think that we should feel a certain way when we are somewhere. And I had a really good conversation with a client the other day that came back from a holiday, that had an amazing time, that felt incredible going away. And they were like, right, I'm ready to go to war when they got back. And it got to the end of the week and I was like, you'll be buzzing right now being back. And they weren't, but they never told me that. And it wasn't until Friday where they were like, Christian, like, I'm not feeling the way that you said I'd be feeling. And they were really, really worried about it. I went, that's a pre-imposed feeling that you've like, you've took from me and you've put on yourself. And the big mistake that so many folk make, and it's again why it's so important to, to have coaching, to have people around you, is because most of the pain that's created in your life is created by your own mind that you place on yourself. And it's typically because you're like, I shouldn't feel like this right now. Should I feel like this right now? Or I feel bad or I'm guilty or like this is happening and this bad thing's happened in my life, but like I'm feeling good right now. I shouldn't feel this way. What happens is you become fucking a war in your own mind. And it's, like, it's the biggest thing that slows so many folk down. And I'm not saying that we are there to just talk about folks' feelings, but see a lot of the time with like, obviously we're given a process, we're given things to do, but it's reassurance that what you're doing is like, is normal. And for me, like I've had a lot of coaching and mentoring over the years and for where I was at when I started seeking it out, and I'm not saying that I was above it, I'm not saying, but a lot of it was actually just witnessing a process and seeing how someone else done it or how someone else spoke about it or how someone else perceived it. And they didn't even need to tell me anything. I just had to see firsthand how the person that was in the position that I wanted to be in dealt with the situation that I'd never dealt with before. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's like, you go, what, like you said about the the thing about the Keltman and stuff, you were talking about, fuck, like I seen that what, what you can actually do and like actions speak more than words. And for a lot of people, like, what they lack is reassurance of what they're actually doing. For, a, for the, see when uh, clients come into the program, what's the first 30 days in the program, we really see it's an important time because you're laying really good foundations and we're just giving clients a lot of reassurance in that time. We're, we're kind of teaching. We're not, we are coaching. Coaching is the part where you start kind of shifting beliefs, where you start asking really good quality questions, where you're maybe kind of calming someone down or pulling them up out of a hole that you get stuck in. That's still the coaching part, but at the beginning it is very much like do this, do that, do this, do that. And, they need to kind of observe how a process is actually articulated and done because they're just not aware of it. And for me, like the reason why I don't, I don't know if it's a guy thing and it's an all enough a mindset thing, but the reason why I don't, I avoid doing things or I have done in the past, because now when I want to do something, I just hire someone to help me do it or I ask someone or I pay someone because I've learned that if I don't do that, I end up just sitting overthinking it and going, is that the right thing? If I do that, will that just waste time doing that? If I don't do that, like, so rather than do that, I just try and bypass it. And then I look at someone else that's, a, that's more advanced in that area. And I go, here, can you tell me what you do there or what you've done in the past or what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you? And it's almost like a cheat code, yeah, like a, like a, a life cheat code. And you're able to bypass the mistakes that they made. It's like asking for help. It's the it's easiest thing. Like I always say this, you always hear people say, no, that's a stupid question, but I actually don't believe there's like, and there's no, there's no such thing as a stupid question because yeah what seems obvious to other people isn't always obvious to you so especially when it comes to coaching like when you've been for the likes of us who've been training for a long time we've got someone in who's relatively new 
they're not going to know all the, the stuff we've done. They're not going to know how to manage a nutrition around a marathon or Keltman. They, they need to ask for that. Like So what seems like common knowledge does isn't going to be common knowledge to someone who's just starting out or someone who's working towards their first event. Yeah. I've really enjoyed having you in because it's grounded me because I've been doing this for a while and I want to go to the moon and I like talking about like, we're going to do this and like ascension and, and mindset. I sometimes forget like really basic stuff and we were joking recently about just giving folk really basic information. It's like, oh wait there, Mark doesn't know how to actually just what what a day of calories should look like. Mm-hmm. Like we're just, for, I forget that stuff sometimes and it's not to say that it's like, I don't know it, but it's like, there's a lot of assumed stuff there. So it's been really good having you in because it's like, sometimes I'm like, I need you, like you'll be talking about a conversation we had with a client. I was like, that's an amazing point. <laughs> like, I was really simple and I just overlooked that because I'm always sometimes looking for the bigger thing, but the, it's it's always comes back to the basics. Always. Yeah. Always. I think that comes down to probably what I believe is the biggest skill that people lack today and it's empathy because a lot of the time, especially now, it's just easy to go do this, do that, or not to meet people where they're at. You've got to meet people where they're at yep. and have that communication with them. And that's that's just empathy. Put, yeah. them, put yourself in their shoes, what they're going through, rather than just having this expectation of them. Yeah. What one piece of advice would you give to someone that wasn't good at communicating that they they did kind of bury themselves away that they did kind of isolate themselves a bit what would you what advice would you give to them start off by saying there's no such thing as a stupid question because someone who isn't good at communicating will think these things in their head and they'll go i don't know whether they ask that or not mm, that might make me sound silly i don't want to look silly in front of them this is going to make me look like an idiot so they won't ask it i would say that just ask because there's a good chance that either myself or you have been through it and we all know, know the answer. Yeah. The biggest thing that I see when, when people go through points is that even in our onboarding process when someone comes on board, I make it very clear and talk about these things, but quite often the stuff that people need to know is just about community crossing that bridge when they get there. And that's the part that folk, because they want this like framework way exact science and it's kind of like we'll get clients with a lot of like i've got a stag down three weeks what'd i do about that and see the fact that they're worried about it i'm like brilliant it shows the care it shows they care see if i'm looking at someone else's life and i see it through instagram and not an hour chat talking i'm like oh man i'm like it's not it's it's like the way that they're looking at it is like they're not looking at it properly. They're not there to just be given a program or a plan to follow. They're there to to rewrite the way that they do things. And there's no framework to that. And that's something I give to a lot of our clients when they come in now is like, I just need you to be vocal when you're doing things that you perceive is what you struggle with. So when you're eating out, you're ordering a takeaway. You've got a wedding coming up. You've got a holiday coming up. You just need to talk to us about what you're stressed about. And what you typically find is that the answers are at the bottom of that stressor. Mm-hmm. So immediately when you vocalize like, oh, I'm terrified about this. Terrified about what? Well, this, 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 this. Then we go, yeah, this is the way I would do it. And this is why. And, and this is why you think this and this won't actually happen. Calm. Now imagine over the year, a hundred different interjections like that over the course of a year. 
that's going to change the way that you think. It's going to reprogram and rewire the way that you do things. Now imagine it the other way. You just communicate when it's the training part. You just communicate when things are all singing, all dancing. You're going to be good until the thing happens that makes you flop. <laughs> you need to, it's not even asking the question. You just need to be like, what do I do? Like, it's not even a question. It's just like, I'm stressed about this. And someone goes, stressed about what? what? What about this? Why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? And they go, oh, it's the biggest thing that folk don't realize is when they come to something that they keep running up against, it's not just a case of following a, a process. It's about actually vocalizing what it is that they perceive as the problem. And that's the biggest thing. I say this all the time. The problem isn't the problem. The problem is the way that you react to the problem. Yeah, your thinking pattern's around it as well. Your thinking pattern around the problem. So it's like, oh, my issues are weekends. No, your issues is the same process you go through when it comes to the weekend and the decision pattern you make as a result of the weekend. It's not the weekend is your problem. And it's like, all oh, right, that makes sense. So like say that and say it again in your mind. The problem isn't the problem. The problem is the way you react to the problem. And if you can rewrite that, and if you can gain more confidence and awareness around it, you're going to become a better person and a higher operator as a result of that. So what would you say, if I can get this opened, what would you say is the hardest challenge in the world and why? Oh, that's a very good question. The hardest challenge in the world. Yeah. I've not even said physical. I actually think raising a family. I was about to say that. It's yeah. the hardest thing in the world because you're no longer responsible for just yourself. You're now responsible for other people. And yeah, you might be like a manager in your work, but being responsible for someone young, you need to feed them. You need to be there. 24 seven, like if you have a, a young child or a baby, you need to be there to watch them constantly. So I think that's the, the hardest thing in the world. Hardest that's that's the exactly world. what I would answer to yeah. that, mate. That's exactly, you took the words out of my mouth. And the, the I think the amazing thing about that is, is we're not parents and we're not sitting here saying that we know it all. Like, I don't, I, I want to have kids, not right now. I don't think anyone ever really, plants well, there's four obviously they do that are trying to have kids and stuff there's plenty of people that i know but like to me it's like see when folk are like see we're sitting talking about self-mastery today personal development improving yourself right the most selfless thing that you can do i remember that my therapist said this to me when i went to therapy a while ago he said i was like why, he was like, why are you going to therapy christian i was like that's why i learn a bit more about myself and he was like, obviously, I'm not saying at the time, I was, I was all like at Sunshine and Rainbows, I was fine. But I was just, everyone's going through challenges. But at the time, I was in a pretty good headspace and I just wanted to learn more about myself. And he said, that's the most selfless thing you could ever do for your unborn kids, Christian. And I was like, that's a nice compliment. And it really got me thinking about like, and as we're talking about there, that challenge, what's the hardest challenge? And to me, it's like, I, I'll I probably overanalyze a lot of different things. And for me, it's always like, you would, I suppose that's the thing about having having kids isn't it or like or, or raising someone or bringing someone into the world is that like it's not about being perfect at it but i think it's about being the best you can be mm. because if you're the best that you can be then that person's going to learn through your actions i was talking to a client recently that was also a um coach like mindset coach lifestyle coach whatever you want to call it and they were basically saying like they were speaking to someone and they were chatting about like their kids and they were like maybe you just need to be a mom and not a coach 
And I thought that was an amazing frame that what they were talking about. And I was like, not saying that there was anything wrong with what they're doing. I was like, because that's the thing. Sometimes when you become so into like self-mastery and like personal development, you're like, I'm going to make this prodigy. <laughs> like I'm going to make this thing. And it's like, you just do need to get a lot of things wrong, don't you? It's just like any journey, but I would totally agree, mate. Like I think bringing someone else into the world is a, a very hard challenge. But to me, it's, I think it's an amazing reason to improve yourself because if you're better, the best way that you can improve someone else is by being better and, and choosing a bit of hardship. Do you know what I mean? One of the things that I really love about my mum and dad is hearing them talk about like the holidays they went on before my, me and my brother were born and everything that they'd done, holidays, honeymoons, things like that, nights out, all that sort of stuff. And then like looking at the pictures, one thing that I find amazing now is that we binged on their photo albums. Like remember like the photo albums, like all the pictures that yeah. from the wee disposable cameras. We binged on that. Our kids are gonna be able to binge on like this. This <laughs> my blog, everything I've wrote over the past two and a half years, our Instagram, Facebook, they're gonna be able to see so much because we've captured so many moments. And I think that they're also gonna be able to see the journey that you've taken as a person. And obviously it's going to take them a while to fully understand it. They're not just going to like be five years old and go, right, I'm, I'm ready to go and do my first Ironman. Like they're going to like, when they get older, read all that stuff and go, wow, my parents are pretty fucking cool. Yeah. They've done a lot and hopefully they'll feel inspired. I know. Like, and see for me, I remember someone said a while ago, it was, I think it was Gary Vee. And he's like, everyone should make content. I just never got it. I was like, what do you mean? Everyone should make content. See, after years of doing it now, I get that. Yeah. I'm not saying it has to be highly polarizing, mm. edited podcasts and 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 reels. It's just like kind of like learning to like communicate to other people in a way that's like just kind of logging what you're doing. Like when we were doing the Keltman, like a lot of you know, it's like again people's perception. It's like I was I wasn't the fastest person doing it. I wasn't an elite elite athlete doing it. I was just doing it. Like I'm not a triathlete, right? But we vlogged it. And a lot of folk were going like, that. "Why you get the camera? Like what, what are you doing?" And it, I just went like that, memories. Yeah. that's what I just started saying I was like memories because it was like because that's what it is it's like to me it's like that's the ultimate photo album yeah definitely Ali Abdul also says that about creating content he said everyone should have a newsletter yeah and it's so easy to do that Substack's free you can just go on and create a newsletter and that's you well, what's the difference like, folk have always kept diaries and journals and stuff it's just a it's digital thing, it's yeah. just a digital journal and diary and I think it's pretty amazing and yeah, a large part of it might be promoting a business, whatever, but there's a lot of stuff in there that's about you and, and your journey and who you are. And if you scroll back, I, I look at, I put a post up the other day about, I hit my 2000th post on Instagram and I worked out, it was like 80 days. And if I put the first post and all that, and I look at even the way that I wrote, even the, the way that I posted, even the stuff that I posted, the stuff that I was talking about, that's a fucking story in itself about the person that I became in the process so that, like yeah pictures and stuff like that as well are fantastic but at the same time like like just telling your story it doesn't have to fucking write it to yourself do you know what I mean like you, you've got a newsletter and how many folk are on it like 30 do you know what I mean like I read it every week do you know what I mean it's one two three Sundays yep <laughs> and uh, guys get on it if you want the link for it head into do you, is it in your bio yes 
it should be in my bio. Cool. Make sure pa- it is. Panny. <laughs> like, <this will> be, <laughs> is it? We'll get it on there, yeah. We'll get it on there. But I head to Josh.ready for anything or Josh O'Neill. Josh.O'Neill. Josh underscore. Neil. Josh underscore O'Neill. And you'll be able to get his blog in there as well. Josh but, underscore O'Neill one. That, yeah. Just to make sure. Yeah. Let's get that up to, let's get up to 100 people. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it, I think it's an amazing thing. It's not saying, like, I, I just think it's nice. Like, like I, I think, like, someone could fucking clone me because of all the videos all the content all the you know what i mean like i could probably i don't know if that's a good or bad thing but <laughs> someone could pinch my identity ai like chat gbt folk will just be putting in my podcast my youtube my instagram and going like that write me a story written by christian <laughs> write a incriminating letter written by christian don't i'm not giving anyone ideas this will genuinely be able people will be able to do this and but yeah, like, I, like honestly, like I heard that a long time ago and I never understood it. Now I get it. I really, really do. Because it, it's just essentially a digital diary, isn't it? That's what it is. It's like, maybe it's about something, but I think it's an incredibly, if anyone's inspired to do it or that, whatever, it doesn't have to be a start a fitness account, progress, like track your journey. Your your future self will really like to look back and see that. I can speak from absolute experience. It's It's an amazing thing to have. It definitely is. But yeah, is there anything else at all, big man? Anything else that you've got to cover? Or let me check my questions. I've, I've just went. I've just completely, just totally went freeballed it. <laughs> like, I've got a, a question for you here. Go for it. Who is inspiring you at the minute? Who's inspiring who's me? Who's inspiring so you? who's inspiring me at the minute? A couple of folk. I think now, like the the thing that we were talking about this before. What's the next big challenge? And I've done a lot of big challenges now, but. I want to do one next year that's like over a matter of days and weeks. Something that's like you do it every day and it's just like you have to get up every single day and do it. And for me right now, like there's a few folk doing it. I can't even remember the guy's name. There's a guy right now that's on, at, at the day of recording this, he's on day 100 of completing an Ironman every day for 100 days. Wow. He's literally, so today is actually the day at the recording of this that he's met the record of the Iron Cowboy, who's the guy that's already holding the record, who done it for a hundred days. Now I remember watching the Iron Cowboy's first ever documentary about when he done it fifty times. So he done it fifty times in fifty days in fifty different states. It was ridiculous, right? And then he done it a hundred, and I just thought that fifty. I watched the documentary and I went, I've never seen a human being do that. And then there's this guy doing a hundred and two, and I think the biggest lesson for this is that like as we develop more and more as human beings, the bar just keeps getting lifted. It's the, 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 I call it the Roger Bannister theory. Roger Bannister was the first ever person to run the first ever sub four minute mile. And it was completely like, impossible. No one, no one would ever be able to do it. And it was back in 19, I can't even remember what it was. It was like, it was like 1940s, I'm going to say, right? It was, it was a long time ago. And like, obviously sports science wasn't as good. Sports nutrition wasn't good. Training wouldn't have been as evolved. Would have been hard, but it wouldn't have been where it's at now. We're, we're so educated now, and he, he done it. And to this day, I think it's something like thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred people have now done it. Now that's still a small amount of people in the space of like eighty years, but it's still like a lot in the sense that for something that was, and and for me, like my sort of, like I would say my one of my life goals is I want to do something. I don't know what it is that's so so challenging that it raises a lot of eyebrows and the same way that russ cook that's running the entire length of africa right now project africa if you haven't seen it go and check him out russ cook um hardest geezer i can't remember the the, the guy's the iron man but he's running the length of africa he's going to be running for like a, a year long time. a long time 
Africa's like 14, like the, the way that they run is 14,000 kilometers. That's insane. They've been doing it for two months and he's, he's at 3,000. It, like it, it's so hard to even comprehend. The distance he's running per day is incredible as well. It's like 50 kilometers a day. Yeah. I ran that in one, one day and then was burst for like three days after. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it takes much, like it's, it's insane. And like, to me, it's like, it's like, we talked about like the event isn't the hardest part it's the prep right but now these events are going to a whole new level of they're becoming prep events <laughs> where it's like the the challenge isn't the day the challenge is covering the, the day times 100 200 that it's unbelievable what these folk are doing now and it's like it really opens up a doorway to what people can do and what conditioning is and do you know, it really goes back to that thing I was saying as well, Josh, of reassurance. Because someone else does it, it reassures you what you can do. And that's what the power of actually being around the right people, it reassures you of what you can do. And for me, that's like a big lifetime goal. I want to do something that's never been done. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that's going to look like, but that's my sort of big goal is I want to do that. I don't know what that is, but like, aye, it's very inspiring seeing these folk do things like that. Ross Edgley attempted the longest ever single distance swim for the second time and never completed it that's inspiring second time do you know what I mean when I was doing the Keltman and I thought I'm not going to be able to do this I was shite myself he's just like ah, right back to the John board how we do this better it's amazing it's like it's, it, there's just levels to everything that you do and it's like you do something and you just realise the more you do the more you know the, re the less you realise that you know yeah you just know less and less and less and I think if I look back we were talking about last night and last night's called being on top of Mount Stupid the Dunning-Kruger effect, like you become overly confident, overly arrogant, you think you know more than you do and see when you believe or think that you know more than you do, it's the beginning of the end. It is literally the beginning of the end. When you say comments like, I don't need any more help with this or I know what I'm doing there, it's like, whoa, man, it's a red flag. That is a red flag right there. It might not be like there's imminent danger, but like if you're even in that point where you believe that story you're telling yourself, it's like, where's the handbook on this? Like, can I see your completion signature on it, please? There's no completion to this stuff. No. It just keeps going. But see, when you believe that there's like there's an end date to that, or that you, I mean, you're like, ah, man, you're on top of Mount Stupid right now. I don't want to be. Everyone goes to Mount Stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's ego is a good thing and a bad thing. But like when it's in a way, like when you when you're aware of it and you're like, right, it's probably a bit worrying. I'm a bit overly confident here and I've never done this before. That's a good, that's like, you're aware of that. Like you're very confident, but you're like, right, I'm quietly confident here. Whereas if you're arrogantly confident about something, it can be, that's you peeking at Mount Stupid, man. And then what happens is when you fall, you fall hard, very, very hard. But all these folk, man, just show you like what resilience truly is. A lot of folk think they're resilient and they're just stubborn. Do you know what I mean? Very, very stubborn. And it's not resilience. Resilience is like, just having a very, very like, mentality like good mentality when it comes to failure when it comes to maybe something's happened that's, that's went wrong and you're like right this person said a really horrible comment to me but where is the truth in this i mean like what like where is the part that i played in this that maybe they're 90 percent wrong but where is the part that i said to trigger that point that they've said back like, what is the part in there and then if you can get down to that and accept that and take ownership of that you can become a lot more confident in what you do as well and to me that's what like it's awareness of your suffering, isn't it? That's what like resilience is. Like whether that be something that you're doing personally, professionally, physically, it's like, ah, oh, I'm in that pain cave now. Ah, right, what do I need to do right now? Who do I need to be? 
what do I need to act like? Whereas most folk go, ah, and they get dropped. <laughs> like, and they just start being reactive and, do you know what I mean? Like volatile, like they're fucking all over the place. And you're just like, no, just chill out, calm down a wee bit. Who do you need to be? What do you need to do? How do you need to get out of this? And I said it last night, it's like, folk are dropped in a hole and they start digging rather than looking for a way out. You know yeah, 100%. Yeah. What about you? I'm not actually too sure at the minute. Um, I think definitely Russ Cook is inspiring with what he's doing running the length of Africa. I think having run the distance that he's doing each day, knowing the magnitude of that, knowing what it takes out, out of you, I can see how hard this is. Obviously, I've not done it multiple days in a row, but and obviously he's going to be a, a lot more conditioned to it than I am. But that's definitely inspiring, like running 50k every day through that heat, through the desert, getting robbed at gunpoint, running with the police next to you to make sure you don't get killed pretty much or robbed. That's pretty inspiring. To actually go and do something that no one's ever done, that takes a lot of balls. Yeah. And that's that's the point I was getting at earlier on of like, the I said at the very beginning was like, a lot of folk are very, very much so objecting and it is important to understand the commitment you're taking to stuff. But like, no challenge, no change. You cannot change without some kind of growing pain. So if you're looking for the path of least resistance when it comes to being better, you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Because you're not going to find it there. You're going to find it in the uncomfortable conversations, the times when things don't go to plan, like like Russ Cook, like this right now, getting robbed at gunpoint, like losing his passport, getting halted for like weeks. Did he plan on that happening? No. Did he accept that this was probably going to happen? Yeah. I mean, it's like, and a lot of folk are looking for this like path of least resistance and they don't realize, like I put up a really good uh, result from one of our clients today, a really good physical transformation. It's not just a physical transformation, but in that 16 week transformation, there was a three week point where he couldn't train because his appendix unexpectedly burst. He's dealt with it, got on with it and done it. And he used it as an opportunity. Whereas for a lot of people that would have been the time, like, right, it's not the right time right now. Need to park this, need to shelf this right now. I can't do this. Do it in a few months. And it's like, no, you can, it's not saying you need to go and do setups, right? It's like, what can you do with your time right now? What areas are you deficient in? What areas are you lacking right now? What areas can you go and develop even more so? Cool, do that. Because the mind controls the actions. And if your mind's not in a good spot, and if you let that negative situation, which it is, consume your actions, your future self, is it going to thank you for it? You're going to lose momentum. And that's where so many folk go wrong. They think that when that thing happens is they just, they, the line in the sand changes. They go back to the old one, don't they? Yeah. The phrase, life getting in the way, springs to mind to me here because I don't believe that's actually true in the sense that we often think that life getting in the way, life getting in the way is a bug, but it's actually a feature. Yeah. Like it's written into the code of our existence. Yeah. And These is... things are, are bound to happen. Yeah. And there's going to be certain things that are like, there's there's no lying about it. If someone is doing something where they're, let's say for example, they're, they're prepping for a photo shoot and they get told for the next four weeks, they're going to be going to a different country with their work every two days. Is that going to be optimal? No. Could it still be done? Yes. Could they have done it better? Yes. But in that moment, you have to decide who do you want to be right now? Who do you want to be in that situation? Do you want to be the person that goes, no, I want to do it next year when it's better? Or do you want to be the person that actually rewrites the programming and actually becomes way better in that situation? 100% that's the person that I would be. Yeah, it might be suboptimal, but you're going to become a better person in the, in the, the, the procedure of doing it as well. 
And you're going to do it in spite of these obstacles and challenges that you face. Yeah, a lot of folks just write things off, and and, that, and life does get in the way sometimes. Like, let's imagine you're you've got three children, your partner works full time, your full time uh, parent for your children, and you look after your mum, and your mum gets sick, and yeah, you're probably not going to be able to do things at that time. But it's when folk like wear it like a trophy at that point. And so you don't. You just need to say this is what it is. This is the card I've been dealt right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas folk go, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. That's why I'm there. And it's like, well, no, that happened, that happened, that happened. But you could have chose to play it this way. You could have still managed this. You still could have still done that. It's not to say is it good, bad, right, or wrong what they done. But it's this like out this ticket. Like I'm out. I'm out because this happened. It's like you know, like it doesn't change the circumstances. It doesn't change the situation. But the way in which you react. And this is something that like like uh, what's his name uh, Ben Bergenham talks about in Chasing Excellence it's like the five things that you have control over are your mindset your training your sleep your nutrition and your recovery no one else like you can how you choose to perceive a situation is down to those five things and it's like you can be reactive or you can be proactive it's completely down to that and most people understandably because they've not trained themselves to be more proactive or reactive and it's always an external factor as to why something can't be done and that's like why we're on a mission right now because we want to make personal responsibility cool again because like it just makes your life better and everything. Like, even when I have an argument, I still have arguments with Ellie. We still moan, we still bicker. We'll have a wee argument and I'll just stop myself like that. And I want to just give up your snide comment back. I want to just give it a wee stab in the kidneys and go, fuck you. But then I just sit and think to myself and go, if I do that, that's going to prolong this. That's going to make this longer. I might be wrong right now and even if I don't admit it it's going to make it longer I just think about like what's the cost of me doing this or not doing this thing and to me like the more personal responsibility you can take your life you get microdoses of that and it gets better and better and better if I look at myself even a few years ago versus where I'm at now and how I react to situations it's so much better you've seen the evolution of me with technology I'm still crap with technology but I'm not as reactive to it do you know what I mean so it's like it's still there so it's like it's so important it's such a it's such an underrated thing with personal responsibility in it yeah definitely yeah I've found that like taking responsibility for a lot of things definitely helped me and my growth so when it comes to like fitness just my overall being as well like I went through a time in uni where I didn't really know who I was and I felt like I was some trying to be someone else and it got to a point where I had to go right I had to look in the mirror and say, what are you actually doing? Who are you? Just do the basics. Just be you. Don't be someone else. Be the best version of you you can be and just take responsibility for, for your actions. And I've done that. Yeah. Do the thing, but do it better. Yeah, pretty much. That's my answer to a lot of things now. <laughs> when people are like, by the way, like this isn't working. I think I need to do this. And I, I've got this holiday coming up. I think I need to drop this. I'm like, you just need to do the thing better. Yeah. That you're already meant to be doing. And when you do that, you get better. Yeah, I noticed that. This is a total tangent here, but I always remember when I was younger and studying for my exams, I would like stop training during my exam time so I could study. And I was like, no, that's the exact opposite of what I should actually be doing. I should still be training so that I'm looking after my mental health while I'm studying. Yeah. See, our minds, they're like, they've no changed from where we've been, we've been, been pure primitive we're still looking for the path of least resistance and it's the safest way but what is always the safest way perceived isn't the most effective way it's the safest because our brains are engineered 
to protect us. So when we think about like exams, we think about things like right time, energy. We think about things like stress. We think about things like how am I going to do that? And we base it on what our past experiences are of it. So it might be like when you crammed. So your experience of what studying may be, maybe cramming. So then when you assume cramming, you think about no time, late nights. How am I going to get training? But then it's like, no, training teaches you discipline. Training teaches you to turn up when you don't want to turn up. And what you start to find is that if you were to keep that thing in that you keep taking out every time you get to a challenging time, it actually trains you physically and psychologically to deal with these things so much better so that you're better equipped, you've got better tools. It's almost like you've got a toolbox where you're able to deal with these things and bat them off. And what you end up finding is that like this conversation with a client recently when they were on a call, I said, it's funny that you've actually got busier, but you've actually got more time now. And they're like, I know. They've, they've got busier, they're, they're opening a facility, they've got uh, more clients, they've got more things going on. But what they perceive when they came in to have less time, they've actually got more time now because they chose to show up for themselves. And it's like when you, like, it's such a powerful thing. And it's like what people's perception often of time is or how little they have. It's not necessarily, it's how they're choosing to manage it and prioritize things. That's the biggest, when it comes to time, folk are like, I don't have the time for it, I've got this or that. It's like, right, what's your screen time on your phone? That's the, the biggest one you can always shock someone with. And they're like, oh, I've never looked, six hours. So if we got that down to four hours, just even four, which is still quite a lot for someone that maybe doesn't need their phone, you have 14 hours additional a week of focus. And it's like, oh, so I do. I can actually like, get more focus out of my day. And I know it's not as simple as that. I know that when it's not just a case every time you're on your phone, you're just sitting still. But like it's focus and most folk lack focus to prioritize things because they're all over the place and they're jumping between things. So um, obviously this is your first ever podcast before we kind of round things off, mate, because I think we could just keep going off in mad tangents. <laughs> and that's what podcasts are all about. But um, have you got anything to say to the listeners first ever podcast anything you would like to say doesn't even need to be about the podcast anything you want to broadcast yourself before we close things off i was actually really nervous for this yeah because obviously first time and i know that a lot of people watching this might be sitting on the fence of thinking of should i get coaching should i get a coach should i do that or sign up for this event my advice would be yes just do it because in 10 15 20 years time you're going to look back on your life and go what if the whole object on one of the things i think is really important in life is to reduce those number of what ifs and that's what my mission is at the minute to reduce them so if that if it's you i'm looking down the camera i've always wanted to do this <laughs> <laughs> i've always wanted to look down the camera on a podcast so it feels pretty cool <laughs> um if you're sitting on the fence thinking about it and you want to not settle for average do it it, mate. sign up for that event do Put that yourself thing. out there do the thing but do better create content whatever it may be go yeah. for it love it mate but guys hope you enjoyed this episode and um, please share this to your stories tag us put it on your blog put it anywhere push it out there because it's the only way this podcast is going to get out there but guys hope you enjoyed the episode see you later goodbye